0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, at least we can see one another. I'm thankful for that. Thankful for all the that the utilities have done and as the old saying goes there's a lot of water past under the bridge <laughs> since we've seen one another um, but let's take today and a lot has happened and so as we do let's pray let's pray for Florida let's pray for Houston and there's a lot of people uh, a lot of people went through a lot uh, and We've been stretched uh, probably every way we can stretch, so still there's a lot of people hurting, so let's not only pray for us, let's pray for just people in general, that there's a lot of people hurting, so let's pray. God of heaven, Father, first of all, we thank you that we are allowed to enter in this building. God, we don't take it for granted, so we're asking in Jesus' name, you would touch and strengthen, and minister lord god i pray father all the families that's been affected god i pray that only you can do i pray that you would minister lord god let the holy ghost give strength and understanding and just comfort and hope lord god i pray that you would touch lord god throughout our state lord god i pray You are the one that we look to, Lord God. I pray that families that have no idea that you are so close, Lord God, I pray that you would touch and be a ministering spirit, Lord God, to them. I pray that you would touch Houston, Lord God, the families that are still affected that feel still the hurt, Lord God. They feel the effect of this, Lord God. I pray that your spirit, Lord God, would rule and reign in their life, Lord God, and give them peace in the mind when they can't find peace nowhere else. God, touch this day. Touch your people. Anoint us, Lord God. Anoint our minds, our thoughts, Lord God. Gather us, Lord God. As one holy called according to your name, Lord God, anoint us. Everything that we do or say, God, I pray that you would settle us and touch us, Lord God. Strengthen us that we may learn of your word, Lord God. Hide this in our heart, Lord God, for it will overcome and conquer every obstacle that is placed in front of us, Lord God, I pray. Anoint us with the Holy Ghost, God, and the strength and the power that you give to us, Lord God, through the ministering and the strength. That we find in your word. God I pray that you grant it this day. Touch us Lord God. Touch our Sunday school. The leaders Lord God I pray. Minister to them Lord God. Have your way. And Father we thank you this day. Have your way God. And we will thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to speak on what I had originally planned on. Um, I didn't feel no no prompt to change. So I'm gonna just um I'm gonna just go where I had felt directed before. So if you would just um uh, for the title of just my speaking I'm just gonna title it communication. So if you would I'll just start in Matthew twenty four and we know that the disciples go to the Lord. They asked him some very important questions. The questions I'm not going to read, but I'm just going to read the beginning of the Lord's response. In Matthew 24 and verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceive you. And verse 5 says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, the longer I am coming to this church and in this doctrine, I am beginning and fully able persuaded, this is what I believe that the deception is in who Jesus really is. The world will not elevate our God to the level that He should be. And what I mean by that, the world will go as far as to say. That yes, he is the son of God, but that is far as they will go. And they will say, we have Bible. He is the son of God, but we will not elevate him as to the father. The Bible says he is the son of God, so that's where we're going with this, and that's where we will stop. But Jesus said, there is a deception, and do not let this deception grab a hold of you. Because I believe the deception is, Is who our God is. And He is the Almighty, the Alpha and Omega. So I believe this deception is seeing who Jesus really is. Since I come here some 30 something years ago, I have heard it referred to as a revelation. And I do believe that it is a revelation of who our God really is. Because I have been asked, and just in a, uh, just someone just trying to just, Confused, you say the son is his own father, and I said, You do not understand. There is a spirit and there is a flesh, and there you must know how to interpret it. You must know how to understand what the Bible is saying. We do, I've been told point blank, face to face, you are Jesus only. And I will say, Will you give me 10 minutes? I will explain this to you while we are not. Jesus only. So I, 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 I've i told them and I've said, but I am fully persuaded. This is where the deception is, is who Jesus is and who the world says that Jesus is. So communication, communicating that fact, us praying to God. Now, I wanna go to a story that, We've all heard Turn With Matthew. I'm going to read Matthew's account of it. Just, just turn back a little bit. This is one thing that you've heard on a regular or you're familiar with. It. Matthew 9.20. The Bible says in Matthew 9.20, and there's Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, records this. But I just want to read this to you. Matthew nine twenty, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, the Bible tells us 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Now listen, and she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I will be made whole, I shall be made whole. Now, what I want to do, we've heard that a lot, all right? Turn with me to Numbers 15. I want to show you where that comes from and why she did that. In Numbers fifteen thirty-eight, or excuse me, let's let's read 37. This is what the Lord said through Moses concerning that. And the Lord spake, unto, now I'm going to tell you this is strong language in part of this, but this is yet what God commanded Moses. Moses to say concerning this. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be to you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you seek not after your own heart and after your own eyes which you used to go a whoring that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto the Lord your God I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God and then he repeats itself I am the Lord your God so he tells them you take this ribbon of blue you put it at the bottom of your garments. They was commanded. i read, I've had time to do this, or so I've read and read and read concerning this. They was commanded to take a ribbon of blue that put it on the four corners of their garment and to make a, we would call it a tassel. The Bible here calls it a fringe. And they was to take this and put it on there. The color was to be blue. God designed that. You put it blue. Now, the color blue was unique to the Jews so they would take when they was moving when God was the uh, had them and Moses had them and they was in the desert when it was time to move the most precious thing they had was the ark so when they disassembled it so to speak and to move it they covered it with a cloth and the color of that cloth was blue so the veil of the temple was, was three colors it was blue, purple and scarlet so blue being a color of that So the Lord, so blue was sacred to them, so to speak, in their their eyes. So he said, take this. You take this and you take and you put it at the bottom of your garment. You put this so when you look down, this is the reason. I have just brought you from the iron furnace. It is why I took you out because in Egypt, that is the way they judge themselves with their heart and with their eyes. But it is by my commandments that you will stay holy. So when you look down and you see this ribbon of blue, that is how you will remain holy to me. It is not by your heart. Don't trust your heart or your eyes. That's what's not gonna keep you holy. My commandments will keep you holy. So that is what God is telling them to do. But the fringes, it's what concerned me. He said, you make fringes. So the Bible says that they was to remember the commandments. 1613. That's the common number that we read. The commandments. They was to remember the commandments. All 1600 or 613. No. God just said, remember my commandments. What they had to get in their mind is I can't trust this and I can't trust this, but I can trust these commandments. Because it's what's going to keep me pure. It's what's going to keep me holy. And that's what God said to do. And he tells them, I am the Lord your God. Because this, this, my word, is what's going to keep you holy. You do this. So when we take and go back. So this lady, when she says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. The Bible says in the other passages that she had spent... All she had, she had just did everything, she had went to the physicians she had just did everything she's trying to do this and she she just, the Bible says that she literally got worse, now I couldn't remember this so just pardon me, I'm going to have to read it to you, this is not going to make sense but and I'm not asking you to try to make sense of it but the purpose I am for reading this to you is I want to see for you to try to see the dedication that Israel put in this, these fringes. I got this from the life and times of Jesus the Messiah. Now, according to Numbers 1538, now, the Bible tells us it was to be a ribbon of blue. It is common that they took a white thread and they wrapped it around it. Now, they was to take of the four fringes on the border of these garments, one on each corner. Each friend's was to consist of eight threads. Them threads was to be white. They would take them. Each friend's was to consist of of, of eight threads. One of them wound around the others first seven times with a double knot, then eight times with a double knot, then 11 times with a double knot, and lastly, 13 times. They did this to every single tassel hanging down. And here is why the Hebrew characters representing these numbers form the words Jehovah 1. That's why I believe God said you put them on every corner. God is one to the whole world. It doesn't matter which corner you go to, there is only one God. So when he's taken and he's doing this, that's why I believe this lady, embarrassed or whatever reason you want to come up with, came up behind the Lord and literally just said within herself, if I can just get to this, then I know I can get my healing. It doesn't matter that I've spent all my money at the physicians, but I know I can get to God. So she went, and literally, we have Bible on this. Now, since I have came here and I understand it better, believe me, I'm a slow learner, but I've heard ministers say throughout the time that I have been here, he was all God and he was all man. Okay, now, and I believe that. I'm not saying I don't. But I'm saying what I'm fixing to say. I believe it was Jehovah speaking. For you, you find, and, and if you want a homework assignment, how many times in your Bible does God stop in his tracks and say, Who touched me? Now, how many times did God lay hands on people? Their ears, their eyes, their withered arms, their broken limbs, their broken hearts, their spirits commanded the enemy to come out of them and lepers that could just feel the warmth of a hand that they wouldn't even allow to be touched and god would say who touched me one time in your bible god himself was stopped in his tracks it is not the tassel it is what the tassel represented and that God is one. And when this lady grabbed a hold of that tassel, she said within herself that I'm not touching Jesus. I would say it like this. A lot of people touched Jesus that day, but only one touched Jehovah. Because she took, she went in and just went in and touched. So when she went and touched the hem of his garment, she, she had enough of teaching about her. She said, "It is not it is not about touching him. I can come literally from behind him. All I have got to do is get to the fringe. If I can get to the tassel, then I can get to where the authority. because God himself stopped his disciples and said, "Who touched me? For I perceive virtue or the power literally. She didn't even stop God and asked him to pray for her. God himself said, this woman had enough faith to realize Jehovah. Literally, she knew the scripture of an Isaiah. Said, Emmanuel, literally, God is going to be with us. So God said, literally, the virtue, the power is what that means. The power is going out of me. She didn't stop like, say, God, you know, I've went through everything. I don't have it. You're my only place to go. Literally, she goes up, and with her faith, she realizes that the eternal spirit through the ages dwelt in the body of Jesus Christ. So when she goes up and just touches the tassel, then God himself said, who touched me? And even his disciples are standing there bewildered. you got to be kidding. Who touched you? And there's people thronging you? And yet, the lady didn't even ask that literally just touching the tassel on what it represented. Jehovah is one. So she takes and she does this. Now, I literally believe the deception is rampant in our day. That is why it is everywhere in our day. They will not say Jesus is God period. Now, that is why I believe when this lady without even asking God to touch her tapped in to this Just the authority that is in just knowing who Jesus is. Don't let nobody ever belittle you on your revelation. When you know who God is, when you realize who God is, don't let them ever make you feel like you are inferior. This lady never even asked God to heal her. And yet the authority, God said the authority, the power is gone out of me, the virtue is gone out of me. And literally, she was made whole from that very hour. From that very hour, she is made whole. So Jesus is standing there, literally, and he healed her. And this is just a little spot between two stories, literally. I'm serious, look in your Bible. See see how many people stopped Jesus in his tracks where Jesus said, who touched me? He touched a lot of people. But find out how many people stopped him in his tracks. I'm telling you, the revelation that we've been made just unique to, it is truly amazing. It is truly amazing to what we have made and be privileged to. Now, the Bible tells us that in this, right before this, turn with me to Mark. One place in mark the sixth chapter that they literally took when the Lord was when he compels his disciples to go over that they literally took the people at the at the very end of mark six, and they laid the sick in the streets, and I didn't give them this verse but they they laid the sick in the streets the last chap, the last verse in mark six and Where this winter he entered into the villages, cities, country. They laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch him as it was the border of his garment and as many as touched him was made whole. I'm not saying it was in the garment. It was not in the garment. It was what it represented. And it represented our God is God, period. There's none above him. None above him. I don't care what the world says. There is none above him. Not according to what I say. What this word says. He is God, period. There is none above him. So here is that, and one thing I want to share with you is that he took, in Mark, and just before this, the Bible tells us he feeds the 5,000, the Bible says, in Mark, in this same chapter, Mark 6, he tells them in 45, the Bible says he constrained his disciples to get into the ship, to go the other side, In other words, he compelled them. Get in the ship and go to the other side. Now, this this is Jesus. Now, it's just like you're not being asked. You're basically, as we would say it in a nice way, you're being told to go to the other side. So he tells his disciples to go to the other side. So when they're doing this, he sent them away. The Bible, the man, Jesus, went in the mountain to pray. 47, when it was come... The ship was in the midst of the sea. He was alone in the land in 48, and he saw them. God saw them. Now, don't forget, he had compelled his disciples to go to the other side. He had compelled them. The Bible says he saw them in 48, tolling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to him and to them. And it was about the fourth watch of the night. He cometh unto them walking on the sea and would have passed by them. Now Mark, that would have passed by them, Mark is the only one that records that. Now, he saw them tolling and rowing. Now when you look up that that word tolling, that is, when I looked it up, this is the way it put it. A stone used to test the purity of gold. But it says that it, that they was literally exhausted. This is not just being tired, you know, like you're out on the beach just having a good time and you're just exhausted from swimming. It was, they was literally give out. They was fighting for their life and it was like everything's against me. And I thought, man, that can be the Christian life. I'm going where I know God told me to go. I know I'm doing right. I'm communicating with God. God compelled them to go to the other side. He told them to do so the disciples could say within themselves, I know I'm in the will of God for he's the one that told me to go to the other side. Now I'm in the middle of this body of water fighting for my life. And But the thing of it is, do not forget what it says, and he saw them. That's what he saw them. The way he starts 48 and ends 48. He saw them and would have passed by them. Now, I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't really within myself know, know how to really make that other than, you know, do I believe the Lord would have walked right past them and never said nothing? You know, I really believe this is just me that we should really be careful with speculation. So I will just leave that alone. But this is my answer. I won't leave you hanging concerning that. Do I believe the Lord would have literally walked past by them and never said nothing? No. Now, he saw them, he saw the condition they was in, but the wind was quite contrary to him. so the wind, that means literally the wind is blowing in your face. So settle it. I'm doing the will of God, but everything's against me. Everything I touch don't seem to turn out. And it's like the disciples, is just like, man, I don't know what to do. So they're taking and they're doing this, and when they suppose 49 when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it to be a spirit and cried out. 40 or 50, it says, for they all, for they all saw him. Now that is like, they're all just up in arms, but they still had enough about to see him. For they all saw him and were troubled and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. The first thing God did to them was to calm them because he knew, he saw them. He knew, he created us. He knew our emotions. He knew Sunday at church we stand up and act strong. But he knew Monday night we would be troubled and gone to pieces. But God knows how we are. But the first thing God did to them Was to calm them, so he went to them, and then he went up into the the ship. Now, this is what I want you to pay pay attention to. He went up into them into the ship. The wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Now, here is a group of his own disciples. If you let me go as far, I'll even say the church of his disciples that was so afraid. The Bible just tells it like it is. It doesn't matter if it's the disciples or who it is, or if it's the apostle Peter by itself. It just spells it out. Here is God's own chosen that is so afraid. They see the Lord. They think it's a spirit, a ghost, we would say. They cry out. But when they realize it, it's the Lord. When they realize it's God, In a matter of moments, they are so calmed and reassured that the Bible says that they are amazed in themselves. This moment, it was like put me in the rubber room. This minute, everything's okay. Only God can do that. I'm telling you, only God can do that. But I got to read 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts, for their heart was hardened. Now, the sad thing about that, and I hate to use the word sad, it said they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Hardened there means calloused. Now, from all intents and purposes, this was the day before. And I don't believe I'm far off. If I am, I'm not by much. That they literally witnessed the glory of God. Of God feeding the 5,000. Comes that evening. God compels them to get in the ship. They go into the ship. They're in the middle of this storm. All of this happens. So they come out. I'll leave you alone. That's me. Everything can be great. Everything can be great. But God knows us. He knows us. But the point of it is, is here is his disciples. The Bible says, for they considered not. Now, that's why preachers, you can't live on your past victories, but you better not forget them. What you see God do. The Bible says because they considered not. Him literally taking a few loaves and a few fishes and feeding 5,000 people. But I'm telling you, I'm not throwing rocks because we're dealing with humanity. And it does not matter what we've seen yesterday. When it's nose to nose with us, It's what I'm dealing with right now. Right now. And that's when we have to guard our mind and our spirit more than we ever have. Because this is his own disciples that sit there. They didn't hear about the feeding. They watched it done. So, And the Bible says because their hearts was hardened. How could your heart be hardened in only a day? But it's what the Bible says. It means calloused. Literally, when you work and you get a blister and your hand gets calloused, that takes time. They were so afraid at what had happened. The storm had come up, and then all of this happened. It's, it's just our flesh. Our emotions is all over the map. And But the thing I want you to remember is when God come on the scene, come up in the boat, I'm telling you, It's just a matter of seconds. The Bible says they were sore amazed in themselves. The Bible doesn't say God. It says in themselves they were sore amazed. That when God literally come on the scene, when we can fight no matter what we are in, now they were still in the the body of water, but God still the storm and right there, everything got okay. Because God manifests himself to them. But at the times when the storm is the greatest. And everything is going wrong. That is when we can't forget. You know what? It wasn't that long ago. That God was real to me. So he ain't left us. He ain't never left me. And he ain't going to. I may not conceive with my literal eyes. But this I know. God is going to be with me. So he's telling his disciples, he's telling them, I'm here, and would I have passed by? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Nothing. I do not believe that. In in the Bible, in Mark, excuse me, Matthew, I want to, I want to read another scripture to you. This is what the Lord says. I'll just read one scripture to you. In Matthew 6, 6, the Bible says it like this. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father, which and, and the Father which uh, seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, communication. He says, "Enter into the closet and pray to the Father. Pray to the Father." Don't think I'm getting weird on you here now. But he never said pray to the Holy Ghost. These are human terms. He created us. He knows us. Think of the patriarchs. As a patriarch, the father was considered the head of the household. The father would have been the one that was in control. So when Jesus was on earth, he said, you go into the closet." You pray. When you pray, you pray to the Father. You take, and we would. He said. You. He said. Asked. We would say in our language. Submit. You submit that prayer in my name, in the name of Jesus, because I am the sacrifice that was made for you. You go to your prayer room, pray to the Father, because we know who the Father is. But you do that. That is the way God told us to pray. He says, you do that. And then the Father, which is in secret, seeth you. And he will reward you openly. So that is why the communication is so important. And knowing who God is. I'm telling you, it is truly remarkable with me. Because the lady, the woman, the Bible says, not even asking God to heal her. Just having the revelation of who God was. She was healed. And I'm telling you, that revelation means more to me day after day after day of just knowing who God is. The Bible also tells us that we are to pray always. Pray always. In Ephesians, Paul said, you are to pray always. And and you think, you know, how can you pray always? It and literally, we understand the sarcasm that some have said. You can't pray always. You can't walk while praying. They don't understand what that means. It must be instinct. You've got to, you know, my my example has always been in riding dirt bikes. If you have to think of what to do, it's too late. And because you use both your feet, both your hands, and believe it or not, you have to think while you're riding Because if you don't, you're on the ground wondering what day it is. It's got to be instinct. And I remember um, Mike Tyson, if you remember the boxer uh, from years ago, I remember a quote he made. He was having a fight that was coming up. And they was talking about his opponent, and they kept telling Mike Tyson, he has a plan, he has a plan, he has a plan. And his quote was this, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And that's life. We know this word. But till it knocks us to our knees, it better be instinct. It's instinct. It ain't like we're gonna go prayer. This prayer ain't never left. And that's what I love about Daniel. What it said about Daniel, it said his window being open. He never shut the window. See, so that's why that he was so because even his accusers accounted on his routine of not changing whether they made a law or they didn't make a law it didn't matter to daniel he wasn't changing so his, it, it it just said it like you know i'm not changing i'm not changing so when it come to the commandments god said do not look at sin do not trust your heart your eyes it is in my commandments where you will be made holy. Because in the Old Testament, we knew God has just said, of every tree you may eat, except of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that. Now, the New Testament equivalent of that verse, I think is this. When God simply said, if, and this is in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because he said love is going to be the benchmark to prove to the world that we love one another. So he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because this love is going to be the glue, the bond that holds us together. And God just simply said, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Because I believe in what I have shared with you today, it can relate to this. Meaning to Israel and meaning to the church. God said if you're looking down, you're going to look at blue. If you're looking up, you're going to see the sky. So no matter where you look, remember my commandments. Because my commandments is going to make you holy. And not this heart and not these eyes. So this, so I do believe the lady that went and touched the hem of his garment being made whole because of the revelation of who God literally was. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. I appreciate what we have in the Lord, what we know in the Lord. He is good and knowing who he is, knowing who he is. And because what he has shared with us and... Revealed to us, and that would be his revelation. And I believe that is one of the most important things that we could ever have on this earth. And I thank him for it. Communicating, going to prayer, having him, talking to him, communicating our needs to the Lord. We are so, and I almost hate to put it this way, but we are so much ahead of the game. By just knowing who God really is we are so much ahead of the game and I don't want to never take that for granted and I thank him for it God bless you
0: this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church